now like to welcome our guests, uh, Nana Jumphy, attorney, consultant, educator, activist, the executive director of Black Alliance for Just Immigration, known as BAJI, and the president of the National Conference of Black Lawyers. As a human and civil rights attorney and advocate for over two decades, attorney Jamfi affectionately called the people's attorney by the community she serves, has consistently and zealously sought to address the social justice challenges affecting the community through legal advocacy and in the trenches involvement in community causes and activism. Nana Jumphy is also involved with the International Commission of Inquiry on Systemic Racist Police Violence Against People of African Descent in the United States. Nana Jumphy, welcome back. Thank you, Margaret. Great to be here. Yet, of course, our listeners are familiar with you, uh, Nana Jumphy, on the uh, KPFK airwaves as well as other Pacifica airwaves. And I'm happy also to know Nana from our work together with the Black Coalition Fighting Back Serial Murders. But today, Nana focusing on immigration. Before we get to the specifics of what's happening um, with Black immigrants, Um, You know, a lot of people got really excited um, hearing what Joe Biden promised generally um, on immigration. But now uh, there's concern that what he promised isn't really happening. Um, Your thoughts generally on what Biden has promised in contrast with what he has done generally. Nana. So, So generally, when you look at the promises that were made, um, if you brought up earlier um, in the, the top of the section, um, the promise with respect to refugees, there was a promise. You know, some of these things were supposed to be easy, low-hanging fruit. Refugees is, is normally easy, low-hanging fruit. What people understand um, most in, you know, foremost in their mind is what the United States is supposed to be for, a place of refuge, right, in terms of immigration. And yet those refugee numbers have remained the same as, what he refers to as the former guys, um, refugee numbers, which is really shocking this far into this administration, given how low-hanging that fruit is. But there's so many others. I mean, there was a promise in the conversations that Baji and so many other organizations had with the transition team of this administration. There were promises that were made around deportations, that, you know, we would not see deportations, at least for the first 100 days. And even though there's a temporary restraining order on the specific uh, policy or the specific order, excuse me, memo, uh, and the reality is that this administration can stop every plane from flying. It's done so in few cases and should have been doing so in all cases, given what promises were made. We were all shocked and horrified to see that, Child cages have been brought back under the term children's facilities, but, you know, a rose by any other name and a cage by any other name is still a cage. Uh, And we, you know, it's shocking that places like Homestead in Florida that were shut down during uh, the Trump administration have suddenly now, you know, are in the works of being reopened. So when we look at the information with respect to the Citizenship Act, the Dream and Promise Act, there was a lot of conversation about not including criminal bars. In other words, if people who allegedly have had certain types of criminal contacts 
even if they were 30 years ago, um, being not permitted to get that what they call pathway, I call an obstacle course, to citizenship or other forms of permanent protection from detention and deportation. And in fact, a coalition of attorneys, legal service providers with immigration, have really come out vociferously bringing, you know, following Baji and other organizations that have been saying for years that we need to get rid of these bars. And they have been so angry because of the promises that were made that those bars would not be in this legislation. And so there's really no area that you can talk about with regard to immigration that there is not um, some broken promise from the Biden administration. And frankly, you know, we're not surprised. We're ready for this fight. But we think that it's unfortunate, given how our people came out with COVID, you know, pushing and pressing to make sure that the old administration was out and that this administration would come in based upon the promises that were made. Yes, and, and Nana Jumphy, I mean, when people see me, when they meet me, they don't necessarily see a black immigrant, but an immigrant, but I am an immigrant, but because I'm black, that is often not, you know, people just don't make the, the connection, of course, being an immigrant uh, from the Caribbean. And when people think of immigration now, even immigrants coming from south of the border, they don't necessarily think black folks. Uh, tell us where black people are coming from and a bit about, I know you were on our, our show uh, some time back, telling a, a bit about the horrendous journey people have made from uh, some places on the continent of Africa, as well as from Haiti. And tell us a bit about where black immigrants are coming from and some of the challenges they face, even uh, getting to the Americas south of the border, even before they get to the U.S., which we'll get to next. Nana. Absolutely. Um, when you look at the countries that we're coming from, I mean, there's, there's, it's everywhere, but there's some countries that you have more folks coming through the southern border than others. So Haiti is at the top of the list. You have more Haitians that are in Mexico having come through, in some cases all the way from Brazil, crossing 10 borders um, to get to Mexico on their way to the United States to seek asylum. The Haitian folks have been doing so since around 2015 um, in response to earthquake, in response to political instability and political violence that has been fomented by the United States, the United Nations, the Organization of African, uh, American States, excuse me, et cetera. And that population, you know, is in the thousands of folks that have been really stranded um, and stuck by U.S. policy as well as Mexico policy in um, Mexico. And then you have folks that are coming from other English-speaking parts of the Caribbean, such as Jamaica, um, uh, where they're usually coming fleeing a, uh, persecution often based upon their sexual orientation or their gender identity, really you know, fleeing for their lives. Um, many of them coming through Ecuador and, again, walking, taking the bus, taking a horse, whatever they can to get uh, across countries, including um, the jungle, in order to get to uh, the border. And then you have folks coming from the continent, uh, many folks from Cameroon during the Civil War there, folks coming from DR Congo, folks coming from Angola, uh, but coming from Ghana as well, from Senegal. I mean, really, 
there's almost no place that you can talk about that black people are in predominantly that you don't have one or two, three or four of our folks, um, and in some case hundreds, that are coming across, uh, again, countries of South America, of Central America, to get to Mexico on their way trying to seek asylum in the United States. The conditions that they experience are horrific for a number of reasons, the main one being anti-blackness. Many of the countries that they're coming through, through South America, through, through Central America, have their own anti-blackness with respect to the, you know, the, the black people that are from their own countries. Because the United States is clearly not the only place that those enslaving ships um, came to. And we see that in Mexico, especially where people have been stuck for the longest periods of time, some people for years, literally for years, um, is uh, really uh, the anti-blackness that they have against their own black population is just extended to the black immigrants that are there. If people want to learn more about that, they can go to our website at baji.org, B-A-J-I.org, and read our most recent report that we just published in January with Umumi, a women's organization, migration organization in Mexico, called There Is a Target on Us that really clearly lays out the lack of medical care, the lack of good jobs, obviously, the physical violence that people suffer as a result of anti-blackness, the police harassment, it's all laid out there. I'll say this, in 2019, Baji took the CBC and um, Representative Vargas from the CHC, Congressional Black Caucus and Congressional Hispanic Caucus, to Tijuana to see the conditions Representative Vargas, Representative Blast, uh, Representative Lee, Representative Clark were so outraged that they called for the immediate um, allowance of black asylum seekers into this country without having to wait at the border at all, as well as uh, LGBTQ asylum seekers. That never happened, but that gives you a sense of how outrageously horrific the conditions are that black asylum seekers are dealing with on the Mexican side of the border. Yeah, and, you know, Nana, this this bleeds into uh, so much um, here on this side of the border, so to speak, the imposed uh, border, as people say, uh, the border crossed us. And we talk about black-brown unity, and we talk about um, trying to bridge the way black and brown people are divided one from each other. But one thing that folks really don't like to talk about, and a, a lot of these conversations I know happen in families, happen with other communities, is exactly the anti-blackness that you uh, that you talked about. And I know traveling south of the border, whether it was in Brazil, um, you know, Central America, Peru, et cetera, uh, the the level of of anti-blackness, the level of of racism, uh, I imagine would be quite shocking to you know black folks coming from the United States. So there's that on the one hand that you have to contend with, but then on the other hand, people may be saying, well, why are black folks even trying to come to the United States, given uh, the history of racist terror in this country, um, the whole spate of, of police killings that are going on of of black folks. So. So, you know, just put that in some context for us, because there's also a reason that you have uh, so many black folks basically having to flee their home countries uh, to go through horrific 
experiences to be able to get to the United States. Nana Jumphy. So I'll say two things around that, Margaret. One is that I myself have been to Tapachula, Mexico. I've been to Tijuana and spaces in between, um, even Guatemala. I'm speaking to black migrants that are coming from the various countries that I described earlier. And, and they really, so many of them, and we know this, uh, Margaret, you know this yourself, as a migrant, so many of them really believe the lie that the United States tells, that these are isolated incidents that they're hearing about, and that this country is fundamentally good to people and free and fair and all of those things. They really do believe that. That, you know, you have people here that believe that, that are living in this country, um, let alone people that are coming from outside. And so it's almost heartbreaking to express to people that that is not the case, that it's not isolated incidents or that it's not the fault of the people that have been killed by the police, etc. So I think that's one piece for people to understand, that this uh, the fairy tale that the United States sells of itself is believed by so many people around the world, not just black folks, but so many people around the world. The second piece of it is that much of what black people are fleeing from the continent and what they're fleeing from the Caribbean and even South and Central America, because of course there's black people there coming um, to this country to seek asylum as well, is what the United States wrought, right? It is the United States policy, the foreign policy of this country, the wars of this country, the multinational corporations that are exploiting both the people and the resources um, that are, you know, corporations from this country. So, you know, uh, what's the saying, Margaret? We are here because you are there, right? It's like the, the imposition of the United States, the imperialism of the United States. Uh, and the ways in which the U.S. empire has impacted our country is what causes people to flee. Now, people are also fleeing across the Mediterranean and risking death and, you know, organ transplant and all kinds of things, right, um, as well. Yeah. And, and for the same reason, because Europe and what Europe has done and what Europe has wrought has ended up in uh, situations in which people have to flee for their lives in countries, for example, on the continent, um, and even um, in the Caribbean. And so the United States is not exceptional in terms of um, the, why people are coming here, but it is somewhat exceptional in the ways in which its empire causes harm, causes trauma um, in countries where our people come from. Yeah, and and Nana, also, you know, in talking with people about immigration, uh, sometimes people, okay, get that if you're fleeing violence, if your life, you know, is under threat, you know, that's reasonable um, uh, cause uh, uh, among some people to flee and try to come to the United States. Uh, What a lot of people don't get, though, or people like myself, like my family, we were economic refugees and not making the connection that that poverty in and of itself is a form of violence and also the relationship with the impoverishment of places like the Caribbean region or uh, of the, the continent and what that has to do with the policies of the global north. You know what I mean, and and uh, uh, yeah, and absolutely. also the the relationship between 
our poverty and uh, propping up the lifestyle of people in the United States and in Europe. I mean, uh, that connection really isn't made and how much wealth um, is being sucked out of the global South while people remain impoverished. This isn't talked about that much, Nana Jumphy. Well, that's the definition of globalization. Uh, You know, I often say the first first globalization um, piece is, for example, the, you know, the enslavement of African people, um, the robbing, stealing, violence against indigenous people. I mean, this is where globalization begins, and, and it continues. So as I you know, referenced earlier, when you look at all of these corporations that are take, getting things as simple as chocolate, and then we see the type of you know, impoverishment that occurs any place, someplace, you know, they find some kind of resource on the continent, in the Caribbean. What you know for sure is that, in particular, the people that live in those places where the resource can be found are going to be amongst the most impoverished people in the country because the United States, and because of Europe, because their corporations, as well as their government, are going to do whatever they can to forcibly and coercively extract those resources. And so in the same way that you had black folks in the Great Migration fleeing political, fleeing social, and fleeing economic terror during the times uh, of the, you know, Jim Crow and before, you have black folks that are doing the same thing, coming from other countries, fleeing social, political, and economic terror that, and it's all resulting from the same space, which is white supremacy, anti-blackness, capitalism, etc., war, etc. Right. And uh, Nana, just for people now who want to know more about the work of, of Baji and what your very urgent concerns are now relating to uh, black immigration. So just tell us about that and also what people can do, how they could get more information, how they could support uh, the work that you and others are doing around this issue. Nana Jamfi. So, our, you know, Baji is focused and continues to be focused on the criminalization of black migrants, which it occurs because we're black, just as you have the criminalization of black citizens in this country. We're concerned about the exclusion of black migrants from health care, from education, from drivers, basic things like driver's licenses, the ability to have shelter. So the, the, the exclusion from access to human rights and the capacity to live with human dignity in this country and the separation of our families and our communities, whether that be through the criminal sanction system or the detention deportation system. We are really focused on de- detention and deportation defense. We provide direct services in those areas, direct legal services, but also advocate and educate our communities uh, as well as policymakers to prevent our detention and deportation. We're focused on permanent protection for all people, not just people who fit sort of what white soccer moms think is a good person, but all people who are in this country as migration is a human right, as well as working uh, on behalf of folks that are at the borders. And then we're focused particularly this year on health, both gender justice and health in terms of reproductive rights and uh, mental health for black women and femmes, 
and gender nonconforming people, as well as COVID relief and COVID protection. So in 2021, going into 2022, these are our foci really working on how we can unite the diaspora, working together with African-Americans to push for racial, social, and economic justice. And if folks want to know more, they can go to Baji.org, or they can follow us at BajiTweet on Twitter or at InstaBaji on Instagram. Well, Nana Jamfi, thank you so much for your work, and thank you for taking time from, I know, your crazy, hectic schedule uh, to join us, and we hope that you will again and continue to update us on what's going on. Nana Jamfi, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Margaret. Thank you so very much.